Motion Ventures came really from a market need more than anything else. And the market need was also catalyzed by COVID. And the market need is this, for the supply chain and maritime space to function at the same speed, if not faster, the industry can no longer afford to work in silos. Welcome to the Loss and Transformation podcast series dedicated to the complex world of digital transformation. We feature guests from large corporations, startups, consultancies, and more to shed light on the success factors around innovation, transformation, and adjacent topics. We share firsthand insights and inspiration from experts for all the entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, and anyone curious about digital transformation. Hi, I'm Christine, the Marketing Manager at Ming Labs, and today I'm talking to Sean Hahn. Sean is the General Partner at Motion Ventures, which is a strategic venture investment fund that invests in early-stage tech startups and specifically focuses on maritime. He shares more about the challenges and the learnings that come with building a corporate consortium network in this space. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Sean. I'm very excited to have you on our podcast today on Lost in Transformation. And thank you also for taking the time today. And yeah, you're a general partner at Motion Ventures, which is essentially a venture investment fund with a specific focus on the maritime value chain as well. And I'm really curious to learn more about how Motion Ventures came about and how your approach might be different from others and all that all today in this episode. So yeah, let's dive right in. I'm happy to learn more about yourself first. Could you share maybe more about your background and your experience, everything that brought you to where you are today? Thank you for having me here, Christine. And that's a great place to start. And I'll tackle the question chronologically, right? I've always been innovating in the transport space as an engineer. Uh, I did my master's in the UK. I did my master's in engineering at Imperial College London and then went on to start my career in the UK building predictive model with an electric vehicle company uh, for larger corporates like Amazon, BMW, Ford. And many years in as an engineer, I felt very pigeonholed to solve one part of the supply chain in transport, and I wanted a more macro view of the industry. So I subsequently moved to Singapore to join the venture capital industry, where I led investments in the AI deep tech uh, domain, uh, invested into those companies at those as that was my uh, domain expertise. Uh, the venture space has allowed me to get a front row seat to the industry and see multiple products and businesses being developed at the same time, which I find super fascinating. And as I move from an engineering to a non-engineering role, I still take a very product-building mindset to the work I do. So at Motion Ventures, I still think about what sort of features are relevant to make offerings more competitive, just like I would for an engineering product. Uh, I'm currently the general partner of Motion Ventures, uh, a strategic venture investment fund investing to early-stage technology startups across the maritime value chain. And as a fund, we're backed by some of the most progressive corporates uh, in the maritime industry. So Wilhelmsen, MOL, HALA, IMC, Signal, and more. We're also an investment partner of the Singapore government's Seeds Capital. And what we're all really trying to do here together is to accelerate the adoption of technology through the corporate consortium network to collaborate, work, and pick winning innovations together that will change the industry for the better. Wow, super interesting path. Um, also to understand a little bit more about your background in the corporate venture building and the investment space and also your personal background between Asia and Europe and how you then came back now or are now based here in, in Singapore with Motion Ventures. 
you were also touching on a couple of things already and also super interesting to kind of understand your work yeah that you're doing today and if uh, we now take a closer look at your journey here could you let us know a bit about how things used to work before motion ventures came in with their offering and before the journey started there yeah you were also saying a little bit about your previous experience but what did the status quo of ventures in the maritime space look like or might still look like today I'll tackle this from a few perspectives. So A, the market perspective, B, the startups perspective, and C, from the venture investment perspective. So A, from a market perspective, the divide between the size of the top maritime companies and the rest of the companies in this space is huge. And the reason for that is this. Most of the shipping companies we see are multi-generational family-owned that are more than 100 years old. So in fact, our LP slash investors in the fund like Wilhelmsen, Hala, MOL were all founded in the 1800s. And these are institutions in the maritime space and amongst the largest as they've had a century, if not long decades to solidify their market share. So this space has some of the largest barriers to entry. B, from a technology startup perspective, we historically have not seen a lot of entrepreneurs entering the space. So the maritime industry isn't a conventionally sexy space like fintech or Web 3.0 or any other hot spaces in the market. It's also a bit of a black box that's difficult to navigate for outsiders due to the lack of transparency. So some of the best entrepreneurs rather solve problems elsewhere. C, from a venture capital funding perspective, it's largely been very quiet. Uh, before Motion Ventures, the other independent maritime-focused VC fund is the Dock, and they're based out of Israel. And the rest are corporate venture capital like Innoport, the venture arm for Bernard Schulte, KMV, the venture arm for the Quark Group, Maersk Growth, the venture arm for Maersk. Because the space has been heavily skewed towards CVCs, corporate venture capital, the intent and interest for investing into startups largely remains strategic, which can have a lot of different interpretations. And because of that range of interpretation, it isn't always so easy for entrepreneurs to read. And as a consequence of that, the lack of certainty on how capital is allocated to the entrepreneurs makes it difficult for them to make a jump into this space. Yeah, I think um, from all of those perspectives, when you're laying it out like this, um, it definitely sounds like a space that is difficult to get into. That's why I'm also curious to hear how you guys went in there and basically how you're kind of transforming or changing up the space there since it's such an old or traditional space, as you were saying as well, and also not a conventionally sexy space as well. So I think um, definitely a challenge to take on, but it's also really interesting to hear how maybe some factors there are shifting or how you bring about that change in this field. And uh, yeah, you've already touched on a couple of factors here, but what would you say, sir? as the main catalyst for change for you to then really act and decide to take on such a big project with Motion Ventures to, you know, kind of transform the space? Motion Ventures came really from a market need more than anything else. And the market need was also catalyzed by COVID. And the market need is this, the for the supply chain and maritime space to function at the same speed, if not faster, the industry can no longer afford to work in silos. Here's the problem when COVID happened, right? COVID introduced a lot more new ones needed to keep the efficiency and resiliency of the supply chain. And I'll give an example here. So in vessels or ships that are on voyages, these vessels are made up of crews of different nationalities. Because of COVID and the restrictions imposed by each country, crew changes for onboarding and offboarding are no longer universal. 
ports in each country have their own white lists of nationals that are allowed to onboard or offboard at their respective ports. What this means is that a ship manager has to constantly figure out changing restrictions if his or her Filipino crew can be offboarded in the Netherlands or if an American crew can be offboarded in Dubai. In this case, there are a few ways to solve for this. One is obviously to hire more people to be in constant communication with various parties in the exchange to ensure that they always have the latest information. This method has been proven difficult to scale because it requires hiring a lot more people in a short period of time, which is not easy given the saturated shipping market and difficulties in attracting talent outside the industry. In addition, it's also very costly to increase headcount for every problem faced in a thin margin business like Maritime. The second way around it is to solve it using technology. So one of our portfolio companies, Greywing, works with various stakeholders in the industry like port operators, managers, shipping liners to ensure that there's real-time visibility of data across all the players. And they've helped facilitate more than 20,000 crew changes last year. So I think most of the industry players are converging on the second solution, which is to use technology to solve for the inefficiency and motion ventures is a vehicle for that. Yeah, it's interesting to understand how actually COVID was a catalyst there as well, or how COVID actually then drove this transformation to go even further and to say, okay, maybe we need a solution there. And um, then how tech came in to drive this and to create more visibility. And also like the fact that you're touching on that communication aspect there, that it's not about working in silos anymore, but you want to bring people together. That's why you have that corporate consortium network. And I think that's a really interesting approach. And that's something that, I mean, especially in that field, I mean, you know, it best um, has been there uh, before. So I think that's a super interesting yeah, mission to take on. And if you were to put it in a nutshell, how would you describe the purpose of Motion Ventures journey in general? Motion Ventures is really here to accelerate the adoption of technology that enables the backbone of the supply chain. We do that through bringing a network of corporations across the different value chains to discuss, to iterate, to consume the suites of solutions available in the market by the founders. This is very doable because the clients for startups in a business-to-business setting are the corporates themselves. So our investors consist of ship agencies, uh, shipping lines, ports, uh, maritime tech companies that have real-time visibility of ships globally, and also many more. And by having all these decision makers from large corporations in the same room, we're able to find alignment faster to ensure that on an industry level, we agree on the solution to adopt as a consortium, effectively short-circuiting the path for critical mass needed. Yeah, I think that's probably the best way to sum it up in a nutshell. I think um, you had all the aspects also there that you highlighted earlier as well with, um, you know, the network, the tech, um, also bringing all the key decision makers in there as well. But yeah, it's super interesting to also hear how you then come in to help with um, the growth and scaling what you mentioned earlier and also basically build a consortium to come together and create a solution to the problem that you were already seeing in the maritime space. Um, really cool. And yeah, you were already mentioning also a little bit about um, your approach in your work, also some challenges that you saw along the way. What would you say were quite common challenges that came up when trying to help ventures grow and scale better and create a solution for this? So one of the common problems uh, B2B business-to-business ventures face is finding product market fit and navigating that long sales cycle process. 
So given our mission to accelerate the adoption of technology to do that, we had a look at where the largest friction is in the process. In this case, we've seen various organizations piloting different startup solutions and not being able to agree on which one to proceed with. So for an example, a port operator would lean towards one solution, a shipping line would want another solution, and a ship manager would want a third solution. And as with the example in crew change that Graving does earlier, it's, it's really important for various parties to come together and adopt the same solution. My hypothesis is that by aligning our corporate consortium beforehand, which consists of players across the value chain, and engaging founders early enough in the innovation process, founders have a chance to tweak and iterate their offering so their corporate users would consume it. That, in my opinion, would help shorten the long adoption cycle we're experiencing. And sometime down the road, you know, that may no longer be the largest friction in the process. And it could be other frictions that surface, like recruiting or operations. And at that point, you know, Motion Ventures as a whole has to extend further to build a solution that's needed to accelerate, again, the adoption of technology. Yeah, interesting. So also really understanding the problem there, then also then you are coming in to also shorten the adoption cycles and also yeah, coming together and uh, making sure that you adopt the same solutions. I can imagine that in a very traditional space where you're coming in, that that must not always be easy there as well. But yeah. Great to hear about the work that you're doing there and how you're tackling those challenges. But now also looking back on the journey so far with Motion Ventures and um, working with change and transformation in that very traditional industry that's actually also rather known for, I think, being more risk averse. Um, there's probably a lot of things that you learned along the way too. What would you say all in all is your biggest learning or your biggest takeaway from the journey? Anything that you would like to specifically highlight here? Yeah, I think it's a really good point you brought up. And one of the biggest learnings from the journey is understanding the importance of lowering the risk barriers for others. So this is how I see it. Everyone has a maximum threshold of risk level or bar that they would accept before not acting on the proposition and turning it down. Therefore, lowering the risk level for others is important to move forward. So how does one do that, right? Um, there are many ways. And for me, a lot of it really comes down to listening and understanding the concerns at the other end of the table and addressing those concerns. As an example, from a fundraising perspective, even if I was speaking to the CEO of a company for an investment, he probably wouldn't be the sole decision maker. Uh, he very likely has to get alignment and a majority go ahead from his board of directors. And if I don't understand what those concerns are from the board and address those concerns, it's going to be really difficult for the CEO to push an investment on my behalf. But if I can address those concerns and bring down the risk barrier for the CEO and the board members, it's a much easier process to move forward. And I think this concept is applicable beyond fundraising to also B2B sales, to recruitment, to working in a team, and a lot more. And I think ultimately it comes down to two things. Uh, one is having more empathy for people I work with and people around me. And number two, it's extending the scope of who a stakeholder is to me, such that my stakeholders' stakeholders are also my stakeholders. So really taking everyone from the whole universe around you that you're working in into account and really practicing that empathy towards them. I really like that here. I think that's a great learning. And yeah, I think it's a very 
yeah, valuable learning as well, um, especially if you're working with that network approach that you work with a lot of different people who have different connections to the people that you're working with to really understand how can you make the best solution for everyone with also understanding them, you know, having that empathy and yeah, not just thinking from your own perspective. I think that's a very great learning here. And now that also Motion Ventures is already helping ventures, I'm also curious about what success actually looks like for you in working with different ventures. How do you actually measure your success or how do you know whether you are actually successful with your solution? Yeah. So given that we're invested into the ventures, their success is our success. So for us, it's important that the ventures that we back do well. And how would I measure success across the different ventures, right? On a high level, the measure is that the companies are getting strong revenue traction and also scaling well. There are a lot of nuances to this, of course, and I can break it down a little bit better by asking a few questions in the following order to measure if a venture creates value. So number one to me is, can the venture make and build a product? And I think this is the bare minimum needed uh, for a venture to be able to build. Number two, once they've built that product, do people want to buy it? So if people want to buy it, that proves that there's a product market fit to what's being built. Number three, can the venture make a positive growth margin selling that product to those people? This proves that the cost structure is sustainable as the venture is not selling something at a loss, right? Uh, number four, can the venture make a return on the marketing dollar needed to spend to generate those gross profit? In other words, what this means is, is the lifetime value of the customer larger than the customer acquisition cost? Number five, can the venture scale with more money deployed to grow that business? And what this means here is that growing 10% when you have 100 users is really different from growing 10% with a million users. And is that money invested proportional? Uh, is it less or is it more? And if we're talking about a company that's scaling, then the expectation is for the money to be invested to decrease as the growth rate stays constant or increase. And I think those five questions are good indicators and benchmark on where in the journey uh, of value creation a startup is. And the more they can tick off these boxes, I think the more successful they are and the more successful we are as well. And we're in the process to help them do that. Cool. Definitely. I think those are great questions to kind of measure where you're standing and whether or not you're being successful. I think um, probably in a lot of cases, it might be difficult to have exact metrics um, that are set in stone, but it's good to know about your ways of measuring success and how you're actually checking if you're on the right track or if the ventures are on the right track. I actually really like what you just said about their success is your success. It's not that you're walking this path alone, but you're really in it with them together and you want to make sure that they're on their path to success and that makes you successful in the same way. So I think that's a, that's a really cool approach. And um, yeah, now basically looking at the future and looking at your work in driving growth, helping ventures, and also accelerating tech adoption in the field of maritime. What would you say is your future outlook here? Is there anything that you're especially looking forward to or anything significant that you see coming in the next years? I really love the question because uh, here's the thing. The maritime space is like a time machine where it's a few decades behind our 21st century consumer life. And that's a really good thing because uh, the future pathway forward is really clear, right? How we should bridge that gap. 
And I believe we'll see a lot more of what we experience in the consumer world propagate into the business-to-business world in this space. So more specifically, maybe there are a few observations off the top of my head, uh, which I see the industry moving towards. And number one is data interoperability. The last few years, the maritime industry has been mining data in silo in their various organization uh, with legacy systems that save unstructured data. Given the need for transparency and for a resilient supply chain, the industry will move towards ensuring that relevant data is easily shared across a standardized set of APIs that can also interoperate across various platforms. So I think that's one. Um, The other one is workflow automation. So the supply chain and maritime industry is full of inefficient workflows that cause specialized workers to waste their time on low-value tasks like data entry. So thanks to recent advancements in computer vision and machine learning, there are many opportunities for software to automate common workflows, whether it's data entry or invoice processing, and these all need very limited oversights from human. So these technologies have large potential to dramatically increase the productivity of supply chain and also free up their time to spend on higher value tasks. So off the top of my head, those are a couple of things that I'm really looking forward to in the coming years for the industry. Cool. That's a great outlook. I think it's nice that you're saying that the maritime space is kind of like a time machine. Uh, I think that's a good way to sum it up also based on um, what you were sharing earlier. And um, then also super interesting how you see the space developing in the next coming years or yeah. What would you see coming up? Yeah, I would say that was a good deep dive into what you're doing at um, Motion Ventures. Sean, thank you so much for sharing all about your journey with Motion Ventures and how you're helping ventures grow and scale better and how you're ultimately transforming the maritime space and setting it up for the future. Uh, Yeah, it's been really exciting to get an inside look here as well. It's been a pleasure having you on and thank you again. Likewise, thank you for having me, Christine. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lost in Transformation. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe to our channel and leave us a review on iTunes. Join us next time for another episode of our podcast.